the In Conversation podcast series with author Nigel Beckles. Welcome to the podcast. podcast. Please like the podcast, podcast. and subscribe podcast. to this channel. Podcast. Thank you. The Exposing the Narcissist podcast series. Have you experienced several failed relationships or been through a divorce? How can you avoid making the same mistakes again? How to avoid making the big relationship mistakes is out now. Hi, my name is Nigel Beckles. My new book is packed with practical and common sense strategies that you can use to make better relationship choices. Now you can discover the dangerous myths about love. If your relationship expectations are realistic, why you could be falling in love for all the wrong reasons. How to avoid making the big relationship mistakes. It's a book that could change your life. Available from Amazon.co.uk. Kindle version also available. The very best way to promote your podcasts. Podpage makes it easy to create a podcast website with just a few clicks. Every page is optimized to be found on Google and it stays up to date forever. For more information visit podpage.com. The future of podcast promotion. Get ready for takeoff. Engage. The Exposing the Narcissist podcast series. Narcissists are dangerous social and relationship predators. Narcissists can severely damage the lives of other people. Learn essential information regarding how to protect yourself from a relationship nightmare. <laughs> the Exposing the Narcissist in Relationships podcast series. With Marcia Hilton and Nigel Beckles. Episode 1. Hi Marcia, welcome back to my podcast series. How have you been doing? I'm very well, thank you Nigel. I've been good actually. Yeah, I'm fine, thank you. So for the benefit of our listeners, how did you become involved with raising awareness in terms of narcissists and narcissism? It actually happened after i come out of my most recent um relationship narcissistic relationship and you know after learning about the condition and just talking to to other women um and sharing experiences and what i found was that there was so many women that were sharing similar experiences Mm. but had no clue of of what was happening to them so you know they would you know explain things to me um, about what was happening and then I would maybe say something about oh you know related to narcissism and then it would be an aha moment for them so I felt like there was a lack of knowledge about this condition you know about narcissism and um, that's how that's how it started really so it was really about raising awareness mm. and educating women around that. Well I suppose my experience is very similar because I've been involved with more than one narcissist and I was targeted, as they are often very good at targeting people. Mm. Um, and we'll talk about that later on. And yes, narcissism is a big problem because it's Narcissistic Abuse Awareness Day that happens on June the 1st every year. That's, yeah. That was established in 2016. And it's a growing global movement because it's a big problem. And a lot of people don't really understand they've been involved with a narcissistic abuser until afterwards absolutely so we have a lot to unpack during these episodes regarding info on narcissism so we have a virtual assistant to help us out hello computer hello nigel hello marcia so computer what is narcissistic personality disorder engage the diagnostic and statistical manual of mental disorders dsm for short 
Is the handbook used by healthcare professionals in the United States and much of the world as the authoritative guide to the diagnosis of mental disorders? The DSM contains descriptions, symptoms, and other criteria for diagnosing mental disorders. The nine main traits of narcissistic personality disorder are 1. Has a grandiose sense of self-importance. Displays haughty or arrogant behaviors or attitudes. 2. Expect to be recognized as superior even without achievements that warrant it. Well known for faking achievements, accomplishments and even lying about receiving false awards. They do this to boost their credibility in the eyes of others. 3. Often preoccupied with fantasies of unlimited success, power, and brilliance, or beauty, the perfect partner or ideal love. 4. Believes he or she is special and unique and can only be understood by, or should associate with, other special or high-status people or institutions. This is also used to boost their credibility. 5. Requires excessive admiration. 6. Has a strong sense of entitlement. Unreasonable expectations of favorable treatment or automatic compliance with his or her expectations. 7. Is interpersonally exploitative. Exploits other people mercilessly. Will take advantage of others to achieve his or her own goals. 8. Is often envious of others and often believes that others are envious of them. 9. Lack of empathy. Extremely selfish and can actually obtain sadistic pleasure observing the suffering of others. That includes the person they are in a relationship with. If diagnosed with five or more traits the person will be officially diagnosed as having narcissistic personality disorder. There are many people with undiagnosed personality disorders causing severe damage to the lives of other people. So Marsu, what do you think are the most dangerous traits of narcissism and narcissists? For me, the most dangerous trait is this lack of empathy. This whole lack of not being able to have compassion the whole thing around you know it almost feels very um robotic you know when we are able to have uh, empathy and compassion and can have love for somebody else um and so you treat them accordingly these people are not able to to do that and so they're able to cause so much trauma and feel nothing feel absolutely nothing and will destroy lives they will destroy people's lives and I think for me that is probably the most dangerous trait that they have you know people have um lost their lives over this you know there's so many people walking around with um this condition and they just cause so much damage yeah and for me that's that's probably the most dangerous trait that they they have well I would have to agree and another dangerous trait they have is envy they are envious of other people and they assume other people are envious of them. Mm. So initially they may be attracted to a person because of that person's accomplishments. Uh, but eventually they're going to grow envious and jealous of your accomplishments and try to destroy you because that is what they do. Um, and they are exceedingly selfish. But as adults, we have to understand they are actually very emotionally immature. Basically, you're dealing with a child trapped in an adult body. Absolutely. But yes, and th- as you said, there are a lot of people walking around with undiagnosed personality disorders who are causing immense damage to the lives of other people. Another trait that's not really mentioned in the, uh, the DSM, the nine traits, is that, is that they are extremely thin-skinned. They are extremely sensitive. So... For all their arrogance, they actually, they have low self-esteem. I think, I absolutely agree with you. Um, low self-esteem, 
and if you know like you said they're so thin-skinned and actually you could accidentally you know offend them and (laughs) not even realize and they actually carry that grudge for long periods of time and make you pay for something that is for us normals something that you just say and carry on um, and not even realize you've caused an injury but they will take that and you know because they're so thin-skinned take it so so personally and become very um grudgeful about it and cause problems for that as well well they are known to be very vindictive when they've been slighted computer what is narcissistic injury engage A narcissistic injury occurs when narcissists react negatively to perceived or justified criticism or judgments. They can react with hostility if boundaries are applied to their abusive behavior. A narcissistic injury can also be experienced by a narcissist when someone seeks to make them accountable for harmful or abusive behaviors. Yes, well, as I was saying, they are very thin-skinned. They're very sensitive to criticism. And it's funny because I've noticed that there are narcissists in the public arena who produce work for public consumption. But if their work does not get any praise, they get very offended. Yet logic should tell you that if you're producing something for public consumption, not everyone's necessarily going to like it. And we should also explore a little bit the fact that narcissists can target anyone. And often they target strong, successful people and then take pleasure in destroying their lives they can be attracted to successful people because it boosts their own ego and boosts their reputation using a tactic called credibility by association. But I think the worst relationship for us normal people uh, is uh, the relationship between an empath and a narcissist because the empath is always going to be giving and the narcissist is always going to be taking. So that can be a bit of a nightmare if you have strong empathic traits. We will explore love bombing later on, how they entice targets into a relationship. But let's explore the narcissistic relationship cycle. Computer, what is the narcissist relationship cycle? Engage. The relationship cycle typical of extreme narcissistic abuse generally follows a particular pattern. Individuals in these emotionally abusive relationships will experience three stages. One, idealization. Two, devaluation. Then three, being discarded. Many narcissists struggle to sustain a relationship for more than six months or perhaps for a few years. The narcissist hoover is also a part of the abusive relationship cycle. This occurs when they will try to suck a person back into a toxic relationship. The goal of hoovering is to get their ex-partner back under their control. So Marcia, when did you become aware that narcissists actually have a cycle in their relationships? It was actually when I started to do the research. It was when I started to do the research and because I so desperately needed to know what what had happened to me. And I did come across this, it was the cycle of abuse. And when I kind of read that, I thought everything seems to fit everything seems to fit so it's a cycle yeah it was really when I started to do the research um and I started to do a lot of reading around narcissism I needed to understand what happened to me and that's when I actually came across this cycle of narcissistic abuse and what was really interesting to me about it was when you actually have an understanding of it 
they're actually quite easy to predict. They are very predictable. Unfortunately, that is usually after the event. Uh, but their relationships are always transactional. They treat people like objects. And they always have an ulterior motive and selfish agenda. The other thing about them is that they never take responsibility or accept accountability for their behavior. So the final part of the cycle is often the Hoover attempt. Computer, what is the narcissistic Hoover? Engage. When a survivor has gone no contact, decided to disengage completely from the abusive person, made a firm decision to remain no contact, the abuser will often attempt to see if they can return. He or she may try to hoover prior survivors by emailing, texting, phoning, or showing up at a survivor's workplace or residence. For example, delivering gifts, pretending to be unwell, or requiring assistance. This is done under the pretext of trying to suck a person back into a toxic relationship cycle. While many victims of relationship abuse are vulnerable to the hoover due to trauma bonding, and we'll explore that in a future episode. What I wanted to ask you was... Why do you think narcissists often practice ghosting after the discard? Because they are known for just disappearing. I think it's, it's all part and parcel of the immature game that they play. It's to see how much damage that they can cause. So they'll disappear knowing that their target or victim will be completely devastated because they have no idea what's going on. So staying away will cause them the most damage in the eyes of the, the narcissist and they can stand afar and, and, and look and laugh. Well, that's very true. I mean, the Hoover, I think often when they come back, they're actually coming back to see how much damage they've done. And I also believe that many people believe the biggest fear of a narcissist is being exposed. But I actually think the biggest fear of a narcissist is for the survivor to just get on and live their best life agree with that i think a lot of the time we think that you know getting revenge on the narcissist is the best thing to do you know but they would love for that because that would just give them more supply as it were or attention whether it's negative or positive they would just love that because they know how much they have got to you but if you get on with your life if you go on to live your best life if you go on to you know be happy They'll be looking on and say, well, how dare you be happy without me? Because they see us, the target, as an extension of themselves. We're not supposed to sort of go off and, and have a life without them. And yeah, I think, I think that would cause them the most, the most damage or injury to them. I want to talk about how they actually lure people in. Because as you know, love bombing is one of their major tactics. So basically they love bomb you with all this attention and gifts and promises of a future. The person doesn't realize that certain hormones are being triggered like dopamine, serotonin, oxycotin, and endorphins amongst others. So they get addicted to the high. And then when the devaluation starts in terms of their cycle, uh, because we know it's idealization, devaluation, and then the discard. That's why many people find it difficult to actually get over the discard. And that also leaves people vulnerable to being hoovered. I think when, when you're in, especially when you're in the, the sort of devaluation stage, you have that intermittent reinforcement going on. So they will be you know, treating you shabbily and then you'll mm. get these little bits of, you know, where they treat you really well. So it's that kind of reinforcement, um, like throwing crumbs to you. 
so that you think oh everything is all right and they and then it isn't again so and that really perpetuates the bonding the trauma bonding and just like you said you know with these endorphins that are that are going on just keeps you attached to this person so um in a normal relationship you'd know that if you are being treated shabbily you know you wouldn't you wouldn't actually put up with it but in in this situation it's this intermittent reinforcement that kind of locks you into this to this person a good example would be but you know the stockholm syndrome where i think somewhere in stockholm where um a kidnapping scenario um where women were held hostage and at the end of that when they were released think one of the women actually paid the bond for one of her bailed him out one of the, her captives and I think the other one married one of her captives and you would think in a situation like that you wouldn't even want to see the person that's abused you or you know the perpetrator you wouldn't want to see them but it's that intermittent reinforcement that, that happens all you know throughout that transaction rather than the relationship and that's what causes the the trauma bonding well yes indeed it does I've read many stories of people missing their abuser not understanding that they've actually been trauma bonded. Let's talk a little bit about the actual abusive tactics that they use. So the first one I'm going to look at is uh, the silent treatment. Because the silent treatment basically is a form of control or punishment or used to invalidate someone's feelings or one of their favourites to avoid responsibility for their behaviour. And research has shown that the silent treatment can actually cause damage to the brain. Absolutely. Probably what, in my opinion, at least, I think it is one of the most damaging things that they can do in in a relationship to actually, again, like you said, it is this this form of control. Um, If they think that you have stepped out of line, they will use that to to bring you back into into line, basically, into into so that they can still have that control over you. Leaves you confused. It leaves you wondering what has happened um it sideblinds people and the person that it's affecting will wanting will be wanting to put it right whatever situation they think they've done you know they're wanting to know what have i done wrong and they'll go out of their way to make it better whatever it is that they think they've done or whatever it is that they the the narcissists put on that person imaginary or not Another abuse tactic they use is gaslighting, where they try to change a person's perception of reality. That, to me, so confusing, so confusing. They're going to tell you, oh, I like your hair long, and then you keep it long, and then, you know, next week it's, why don't you cut your hair? I don't like it long. You know, it's, it's very confusing. Or they will say something, and when you challenge them about it, next thing you know, well, actually, they didn't say that. So this whole, it just confuses issue and leaves you wondering if you're the one that's not right or is it you that's getting confused is it you that's getting things wrong what is wrong with me because I'm not understanding what's happening so the gaslighting is is designed really to completely confuse you to make you think that you are in the wrong to make you think that actually perhaps you're the one with, with a mental health issue and it depends on how I would say I don't know if that's the right word how viciously they use it they use it quite often then People will feel as if they're going mad. I did. I was second guessing myself all the time. It got to the point where sometimes I had to start writing things down to to kind of prove that, yes, this did happen or no, it didn't happen. So, you know, my advice as well would be sometimes to people would be, if you're not sure, you know, just, just write things down because sometimes they can 
so that you can prove to yourself almost that yes this did happen i think all of their behaviors are damaging but i think gaslighting is is up there i think with the silent treatment well emotional abuse is a very serious type of abuse in many ways i believe it is more damaging than actual physical abuse computer what are the negative effects of emotional abuse on the brain engage Research clearly demonstrates emotional abuse negatively impacts on certain areas of the brain. The amygdala controls life functions such as breathing, heart rate plus the basic emotions of love, hate, fear, lust, grief, guilt, envy, and shame. Repeated emotional abuse enlarges the amygdala. Repeated emotional injuries also shrinks the hippocampus, which is responsible for memory and learning. Repeated emotional injuries shrinks the hippocampus while enlarging the amygdala. Yeah, so there are various tactics that they use and it can be very serious for the person and it can take a long time to recover. Some people don't, some people don't recover at all because they're so emotionally damaged and the brain damage that follows. I've met somebody in the past who was so damaged by, you know, a narcissist that she didn't speak. She actually stopped talking. I mean, that's an extreme, an extreme example, but that is the reality. And some people actually take their lives, don't they? Sadly, sadly, yes. yes. Engage. If you suspect you are in a relationship with a narcissist or interacting with a person that always seems to be hungry for praise and attention, do your own research. There is plenty of great information online. Thank you for listening. Please like and subscribe. Another In Conversation podcast coming soon.